0: Hello, this is Jeffrey Milburn, and this is the OmniArt Salon number 251. It is an inspiring conversation I had with Martin Root, co-author of the New York Times business bestseller, Chicken Soup for the Soul at Work, and a major contributor to the just-released How to Achieve a Heaven on Earth, which was compiled by John E. Wade II and published by Pelican. Martin is an international speaker and consultant and is dedicated to exploring the deeper meaning of work and its contribution to society. Martin also was keynote speaker for four consecutive years to the Corporate Leadership and Ethics Forum of the Harvard Business School and is founder and chair of the board of the Center for Spirituality and the Workplace at St. Mary's University in Halifax, Canada. Martin's joined us before in the Air Salon as he has been researching and exploring creating Heaven on Earth for many years and brings his wisdom to this new book. How to Achieve a Heaven on Earth delivers 101 essays from contributors as diverse and different in perspective as Tony Blair, George W. Bush, and Thomas Friedman to Barack Obama, Ted Turner, Al Gore, and Miriam Williamson. After reviewing this sizable compilation, I found genius embedded in the almost nonchalant way it assumes a deep presence of heaven on earth in every human, no matter what their personal story might be. I think you will find my conversation with Martin not only incredibly insightful and deep, but also quite thought-provoking as we explore yet again deeper layers of the human experimental endeavor to make ours an increasingly more heavenly world to live in. And so now, the Omni Art Salon proudly presents How to Achieve a Heaven on Earth with Martin Root. It's so great to talk to you about this whole idea. Thank you, Jeffrey. I mean, in some ways, I think you are actually, well, uh, from my experience, you were the fomenter of the idea of Heaven on Earth as a a literary investigation into how people all over the world conceive of what Heaven is and what Heaven on Earth means. I remember we had this conversation. You had a book going, and lo and behold, out comes a book called how to achieve a heaven on earth, and you're um, one of the main contributors, and it's wonderful. And I'm just curious, how did you? How, how does this all affect you? I mean, knowing so much work you put into your research with your particular tome. And then he comes out with it. You mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm
1: thrilled. I'm thrilled. I met John actually on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been searching. Well, as you know, I've been doing heaven on earth for what 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. And so I search for the term every once in a while on the web, and I came up with John Wade's. Um, Website, How to Achieve a Heaven on Earth. And I was just thrilled. And uh, I called and we started this relationship. We, we've never met in person. Ah. Never,
0: okay. never, never. And he's, then, a, he's in New Orleans. He's in New Orleans, mm-hmm. yeah. That's an interesting place to achieve heaven on <laughs> Earth. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with the same <laughs> thing last week. He, uh,
1: so he said, Look, I want to do this book. And I said, Great. And um, I think I've got about 13 of the people that I know are in this book. And mine is the second last. Uh, it's really the concluding uh, essay in the book. And it as, it it, be, yes. as it hey. should be. As it should be. And I think what he's done with this book, Jeffrey, is he's made a tent large enough to include such disparate views that you never think of putting together. For example, Barack Obama's uh, essay is followed by George Bush's essay. I know, it's
0: really interesting.
1: And, and um, John is uh, on the right, Republican, And I said, you know, look, you've got Obama, you've got Gore on one side, as it were, and you've got Bush on the other side. And I said, what you're really doing is creating a tent large enough to include those different perspectives. And he said, and I think this is brilliant, don't, isn't that what we need? Isn't, if we're going to create heaven on earth, Don't we need a tent large enough to include the vast majority of the world? I mean, obviously not the crazies, but the
0: vast majority of the world wants the world to work. Well, it really brought up a lot of ideas in my mind because I realized that, you know, the main prayer of Christendom is the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. And one of the lines in that prayer is, uh, is about bringing heaven on earth. Thy will, on Thy will be earth. done on earth as it, it is, is in heaven. heaven. Yep. So it's in even. I, I read somewhere about a week and a half ago of this one Sufi uh, theologian, and he said, you know, if everyone actually practiced their religions, there would only be one religion. And I thought, isn't that interesting that that coincided when I was kind of looking through all these essays about heaven on earth from people as diverse as David Brooks, you know, who's a, an apologist for the right. And Barack Obama has a very different a vision of how government interacts to create a heaven on earth with the people, you know, as representative of their needs. So um, I agree with you. The tent. What is the, the tent? Lo- Describe well, the tent. tent. But Here's what I think.
1: You know, when I began to look at this work, it seemed to me that people have a, a deeply held longing for the kind of world they want. People don't want war, they don't want hunger, they don't want poverty, they don't want disease. The vast majority of the people in the world don't want those, those sufferings to continue. But they think that by speaking about them, they'll be made fun of, it's considered naive, it's stupid, we've always had these sufferings in the world, therefore we must therefore always have them for the rest of eternity. And I thought, no, that's not true. What we need is somebody to say... What's your vision for the kind of world you want? Like deeply, deeply held. So I began to, to look at these questions. And so I have, I've got three, three separate questions. Um, I ask people, tell me a time when you experienced heaven on earth. And so they'll think, you know, uh, walking in nature, when my child was born. They'll tell you. And, and, and your, your listeners, as we're, we're doing this, can ask, answer the question for themselves. Tell me a time when you experienced heaven on earth. What's interesting is people don't say to me, what do you mean by heaven on earth? They never ask that. What they do is answer the question. Obviously, the content is different. A fine meal, uh, you know, my wife, but whatever. But they know. That's the point. And then the second question is, here's a magic wand. You can have heaven on earth. What is that for you? And when you ask, when you give people, quote, the magic wand, which releases them of the necessity of knowing how it's going to be done so that they can just focus on what they want, then this, this deep, deep speaking emerges from the depths of their soul. I say it's essence of soul speak. And they speak in a tonality that's direct and pure and soft and not positional, you know, you've got to do this. Mm-hmm. It's, it's truth speaking. And imagine a room, and I've done this in in, in seminars and workshops, where people look at what it is that they want for heaven on earth. And not to disagree. So I remember one, one example once we had a woman who said, the way you create heaven on earth is through love. And a guy stands up after her and says, no, the way you create heaven on earth is to end hunger in the world. And they start fighting. And I go, not physically, but verbally. And I said,
0: stop, stop.
1: If we do that, then what we'll do is continue to make each other wrong about the methodology to make heaven on earth. If for her it's about love, let's support her with love. If it's for him it's about ending hunger, let's support him by ending hunger. So the premise is you do know what heaven on earth is. You do know the kind of vision for the world you want. And the vast majority of the world wants the same thing. You know, 99.9% of the world. Yes, there's the crazies, but it's the majority that I'm after here. And we want to create, for me, what heaven on earth really is, is this meme. You know what a meme is? A thought form. Mm -hmm. So I want to say to the world that it's time for the longing that you have for the kind of world you want to come forward. That that's now going to be Uh, acceptable conversation, acceptable action. So I can say to you, Jeffrey, what are you doing with heaven on earth? You can tell me and I can tell you what I'm doing and so on and so on. Thus we create, where I'm going with this, is this new narrative, this new story of what it means to be a human and what it means to be humanity. Mm -hmm. What it means to be a human and what it means to be humanity. That, I think, is going to engage people. And so when you look at John's book, How to Achieve a Heaven on Earth, you see people talking about how they create heaven and earth from all these different, unique,
0: various ways, and you go, great, do it. Well, you know, and I was, uh, you know, what struck me when I was reading the essays, and I didn't read every single one; it was too much, but I did read a number of them. And you know, George Bush spoke about his uh, being with one of the the servicemen that were, you know, in Iraq and right. his feeling he had, and. Uh, what it felt like for him to talk to someone who had sacrificed the ultimate sacrifice for what he saw as freedom. I saw the heart of George Bush. Yeah, the story narrative was like the surface. It was like the it was like the skin on on the on the coffee, you know. And and uh, David Brooks the same thing. He talks about responsibility to economic uh, accountability. Yeah, and I thought well, that's good, you know. But the, the, the thing that's interesting to me is that everyone's talking about a particular core heart value that they see is really important. And, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it issues forth from their state of awareness of what makes life work. And so there is a, I mean, I, I keep thinking for some reason, John Lennon's song, Imagine There's No Heaven, No Earth Below, that we're, this is all there is. Yeah. Do you think that's a requirement for people to kind of let go of all their ideologies and just like look at the person in the house next to you, in the, in the seat next to you that close, and say, what's, what's going on here? Who are we? As just core beings, forget all the ideologies just would you help, you know some people would help their mother or their sister or their, their spouse with an illness with complete compassion and completely disregard someone across the street yeah. how do you get past that the,
1: For me, the issue of looking at what heaven on earth is for you is it, is it goes to for the individual, is it goes to the heart of who they are, the essence of who they are. And that's what I want to get, uh, what I want to touch. And I think what the book touches as well. And as you said, as I was reading these stories, it seemed to you, you said that I I could touch the heart of who they were. And then the skin was on top. Mm -hmm. That, I think, is is kind of like the next stage in our collective evolution there's still going to be ideologies. You know, the Republicans say this is the way to do it. The Democrats in the U.S. say this is the way to do it. Okay, fine, but underneath, it's like, uh, you know, we spend the summers up in Canada by the seashore, and you see the waves on the sea, and I always like to dive under the water. There's this silence, and you know the waves are going on upstairs above you, but there's this deep, deep silence under the water, and it's that that I think heaven on earth touches,
0: Mm -hmm. and if
1: you can touch into that, and get people then to act from that, it it shifts how they, they, they interact with each other. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And they get engaged because, as you said, they have a vision for the kind of world they want. They see a particular suffering that they want to end in the world. They see where their unique creativity could make a contribution to the world. Good. I want to unleash all of that in a way that I don't know how it can be unleashed specifically for you. So I keep thinking another metaphor here is, Think of, of, of creating heaven on earth like a like a piece of software. You know, you go to a, a store, a software store, you buy a piece of software, you come home, you stick it in the computer and up comes this new piece of software which you've never had in your life before. What it presents you with is a new possibi- new possibilities and new opportunities. Mm-hmm. That's what how to achieve heaven on earth. That's, in my language, You know, I, my thing is called Project Heaven on Earth. But it's the same thing. It's this new story, this new possibility, into which you put your unique content. I don't know what that is. The other question that people say is, yeah, but if you impose a world view on somebody, isn't that manipulative? It is, and, but what's, what's happened with worldviews up to now, I think around now, is that they've been imposed. Communism, consumerism, materialism, socialism. So this small group of people say, this is the way to go, and if you buy my, this is the way to go, the world will work. What That's not going to work, not in today's world. What you need to do is not impose the vision, but unleash the vision. And so by asking people, what is heaven on earth for you, that unleashes what's already present within you that you may be aware of or not then you engage now we've got something
0: totally totally different and and I think very powerful you know I look at the world and what I see are tribes all over the place there's tribes of ideas people coalesce together around a, a, a perspective whether it's the gay tribe the black tribe, the Jewish tribe the American tribe the French tribe and then there's multiple tribes upon tribes so all these people are like identifying with with, with uh, characterizations of what they see as important or what they see as um, the uh, a distinction of their particular cultural uh, idiom Right. so Knowing there's all of these tribal behaviors going on and knowing that's really what's happening. I mean, it's not like... Just, I don't think... I, I'm just observing this. I'm not projecting anything. I'm just seeing all these things happening. How do you get people to listen to a singular language within themselves in that deep part of the ocean that you're speaking about? It's a oneness. It's not? It's a, it, it
1: is. It's a wonderful question, too. I think where we are in the evolution of humanity is globalization, the internet, airplanes, all this technology, uh, Fed act, it's all global now. So this notion of us thinking of humanity, us thinking of well, the globe, right? Uh, the environment is another way of saying it's a metaphor for all of us. Mm-hmm. All of us has to work. So by looking at what is heaven on earth for you, it does two things. One is it it has you tie and connect with what's important to you the individual. But the title is Heaven on Earth, implying humanity, implying all of us. So, as I said earlier, it's the new story of what it means to be human, the individual, mm-hmm. and what it means to be humanity, the collective, and that's where you're going. So, we're this this dawning of this age of of humanity speaking and our concern for humanity as a whole. That's what I think all of this is part of in our evolutionary process
0: so it's about, it's about the family of humanity yeah, yeah. that's is. how I see it and you know there's a book I written years ago I don't remember who wrote it now someone gave it to me I was in college that long ago it was and it was called The Family of Man. Sure, I remember that. And it was so a picture book. a book. I think it came out through the United Nations. Or, or Life magazine. Was I think. it Life? Yeah. I can't remember, but it had photographs from people all over the world. Yeah. And I, I just, I don't know, maybe I'm being presumptuous here, but I feel like that was the whole purpose that was behind the inauguration and foundation of the United States. I mean, it's the only country in the world, or it was the first country in the world, that was formed around the idea of a collective group of bodies that had a, a singular authority, a federal government, and then how these state governments had their like, governing realms over their particular regions, and then even further down to cities and municipalities and counties and all that kind of thing. So, And then, of course, World War II brought out the, uh, the um, creation of the United Nations to okay. kind of deal with a whole global community like the United States, we have now nations that are united in one singular purpose, and interestingly enough, I think the foundational document that actually holds it all together is the Universal Declaration of Human Rights that Eleanor Roosevelt, so, you know, powerfully made sure was part of the inauguration of this new body. Let
1: me let me go further than that. I think a couple of other things happened in addition to that. One was uh, the picture of the Earth from the Moon. Do you remember Oh yes.
0: That changed the consciousness instantly. Of the entire planet. Mm -hmm.
1: A friend Mm -hmm. of mine, Frank White, wrote a book called The Overview Effect and he went and interviewed astronauts and said, what happened to your consciousness? In essence, what happened to your consciousness? And they all said essentially the same thing. I go up into space and the first thing I do is I wait for nightfall and I look for the lights of my city. Right? Let's say I'm from New York. Make it easy. So I look for New York. And then the next thing I do is I look for the outline of New York State, but Mm -hmm. there are no lines. There is no (laughs) New York State. So then I look for the United States of America, but there is no such thing from space, right? So they jump to the next level, which is North America, and then they jump to the world. And they all did the same thing, and he called it the overview effect. So that's one. So this consciousness, this collective consciousness, was visually apparent to us for the first time. Then about mm, 10 years ago, a friend of mine, Oscar Motomuro in Brazil, who runs a, a company called uh, uh, Amana Key in, in, in uh, Sao Paulo, a training development company, did a talk on which he talked about the effect of technology, the cumulative effect of technology, airplanes, television, telephones, the web, technology as a whole. And he said, the effect of technology is that the concept of humanity is now tangible concept of humanity is now tangible so that the idea of humanity became visceral for us so that when we see the pictures of the devastation in Haiti you've never been to Haiti you don't speak Creole da da da, da doesn't matter you know because that's those are members of your family mm-hmm. so that was statement one the concept of humanity is now tangible A couple of years later a guy named Rob Lehman who at the time was the president of the Fetzer Institute which is a charitable institute in Michigan wrote a paper. I don't think he knew Oscar, but the linearity for me was, was astounding. And the paper was entitled, What is the Common Work of Humanity? I thought that was one of the most brilliant titles. I, what are we? So Oscar said humanity's here. Rob Lehman comes along and says, okay, so then what's the common work of humanity? What are we here to do? And I thought, well, aren't we here to co-create heaven on earth? And I remember having that thought thinking, oh my God, you can't say that. And I thought, wait a minute. Why can't we talk about the kind of world we want? We can certainly talk about hell on earth. That's permissible conversation. Why can't we talk about heaven on earth? So that began about 10, 15 years ago, this inquiry for me, this exploration of, so then what is heaven on earth? Not as a definitive answer, but as an exploration, as an inquiry, as a meme, as a thought form to get people engaged in the kind of world that they really want, that they know already and get them engaged in doing stuff like that. So you'll see in the book, for example, these incredible you know, things of people wanting to end uh, violence, wanting to end uh, addiction, nuclear arms, uh, the use of, of violence they wanted to end. Uh, one woman writes a story in there, Lori Norris, about tooth decay, this poor black child... Uh, Diamante in in, uh, Baltimore died because he had a tooth infected and it, it, uh, I don't know, whatever, you know, spread into his brain and he died from a tooth decay. You know, it was sickening. And so she's taken on the end of tooth decay in children. Mm -hmm. Um, a, a, A story about a guy. Uh, who on his street, uh, a man passed away, one of his neighbors, and very quickly the, the wife and children moved away. And he thought, my God, I don't even know this person. How can I bring my neighborhood together? So he went and he went to his neighbors and said, I have a question. I want to get to know you better. I want us to come together better. Can I come and spend the night at your house? So he would go, he'd have dinner at their house, he would spend the night, like, really get into their lives, and, and they into his, and have breakfast the next morning and leave. And he said it's just bonded the, the, the community together so powerfully. A woman in Mexico, this is not in the book, but a friend of mine, she said, I'm going to smile at two people a day. And I'm going to ask people to just pass that on, pass that on. (laughs) A woman uh, here in Santa Fe wrote a Christmas letter in which she asked people of her extended family, about 70 people, tell me what heaven on earth is for you. They wrote back about 40 of them, and then she sent those 40 answers to the 70. So you can take on big things, you can take on little things. There's a woman in Canada, Sue Bookchin in Lunenburg County, very concerned about... um, violence against women, and, and was on a phone call with me. This is not in the book, but this is just somebody else who's doing a Heaven on Earth project. And she said, violence against women is terrible, terrible, terrible. There's nothing, you know, I've tried everything, there's nothing I can do. And so we were on a conference call, and I said, well, and she asked, what could you do? What would you do, Martin? And I said, well, I don't know your financial situation. You could spend, you could donate $5,000, you could donate a penny. And she said, well, what difference would a penny make? And one of the other women on the phone just jumped right on that and said, yeah, but suppose everybody in Lunenburg County donated a penny a day to end violence against women in this county. And she went, oh my God. And they're starting to work on that now. Mm-hmm. So the creativity that comes out when you ask people, what is heaven on earth for you? And what simple, easy steps will you take in the next 24 hours? But simple
0: and easy. Not, I don't want you to be overwhelmed. We don't have the right to be overwhelmed anymore. Get going. Well, you know, it's funny. Some, somehow it's coming up. There's a book written in 1981 called Critical Path by a marvelous uh, thinker of our times, Buckminster Fuller. Oh, <laughs> yes. I don't know the book, but I know the guy. Sure. The book is probably the most important book written in the 20th century. Um, he's far more brilliant than any scientist I've ever read, ever. And what he said in the very first part of the book was omni Omnipresent humanity is working towards becoming omni-successful.
1: Mm.
0: In other words, all of this. No, he said, omni-disintegrated, differently acting, differently credo, differently thinking. Humanity is moving towards becoming omni-successful and omni-sustainable. He said it. It was a prophetic statement. For this man wrote this. What is that? How many years ago is that now? Forty. Let me tell you why I like that. Because he's looking at the possibility of it working, not a litany of the reasons why it exactly. can't. Exactly. He's looking at the big picture, and that's and that's what I'm interested in. As a artist, as an artist, I'm I'm interested in big systems. In other words, I, kind of lo- I love the view of the Earth planet from above because I remember one time seeing a, a, a map of all the Indian, Indian nations before you know the white man came over here and reconstructed all the state lines and all that. And they had the different Indian nations. It was much larger. They're much larger nations. I thought, huh, look at that uh, imposition on the land. That was also an imposition on the land of mental constructs. So when you look at something from the organic viewpoint, through the veil, while well, the veils are pulled back of mental constructs, you see the actual functioning of what the organism is all about. And the Earth planet is in a remarkable living soul in itself. It's got all the waters or its blood, the lands or its organs, its peoples that it keeps alive or like in our bodies. We have all kinds of things living within our bodies that are living off of us as a living organism. In other words, it's the fractal of source. The fractal, all the geometries coming out of source and creating planets and universes and galaxies and then all the dimensions in the physical world that you can observe with your physical eyes into the inner dimensions that we're just now beginning to understand as scientists. And the new language is the language which you're bringing up, which is heaven on earth. Heaven and earth is a concept that came through uh, religious or spiritual understandings of what the point of being alive is all about through various religions, so you, you combine this new language in with the language of science, which is the science of empirical comprehension and the mental constructs. We have a whole new ball game coming in I, I would
1: say for Mike is you combine the transcendent mm-hmm. or the deeply spiritual with practical realities, yes, whether that 's smiling at two people a day or or taking on the end of hunger or, you know, I remember the three housewives in, in, in Ireland. You remember them who took on the end of landmines. Housewives from Ireland, not experts, no no experience at all in doing this. They just said, this isn't right. We're going to end it. And they created the landmine, uh, banning landmine trees.
0: Well, it always comes down to that, doesn't it? You know, no matter how philosophical we get, we still have to live day to day in a mundane world. And this is where the rubber meets the road.
1: So let me look at the notion that you were were touching, which is the notion of heaven. When I began to look at this work, I began to ask people, what is heaven? And generally, you know, this is not the theological finitude here, but generally heaven is a place that you go after death, the place where God and the angels live. But underneath all that, it's not here,
0: Mm -hmm. right? It's there somewhere else. And I'm it depends what religion you're talking about, because they have different structures on that. Well, the Abrahamic one, yes. not here. But
1: let's just say okay. that the belief is it cannot occur here. I think that's one of the fundamental beliefs of humanity, that we cannot have heaven on earth here. Mm-hmm. And I don't hold that. I hold that we can do it here, and that the, you know, we've been given free choice, free will. Let's put that free will into life-affirming things. And the creativity that will be unleashed in terms of people's vision of not heaven in heaven, that's fine, I can't do anything about that. But heaven on earth, that we can do something
0: about. That to me is exciting. Well, it's interesting, embedded in that that very sentence, heaven is a noun, right? On is a verb, and earth is a place. On is a preposition. A preposition. Yeah, two nouns. But if, well, okay, so I'm not. I never was good at this sentence structure stuff, so I shouldn't be going there. But, but no, what let I me interrupt. Tra- what, what, what I'm trying to say is heaven on earth. I mean, it's interesting. I find those three words actually say something very basic. And that is heaven, a place of experience, consciousness, awareness. Embedded in a place, Earth, which is a physical place that we know that floats around in space here yes, so you 're bringing the transcendent into the physical, correct, and that to me is a state of consciousness. There are those who experience heaven on earth you 've seen the, yes. the the masters the photographs of people completely living in blessed twenty four seven we 've seen these photographs, we know they exist some of the, some of us have actually experienced that particular a state of bliss in the physical body. So we know this is possible.
1: Let me add one other thing. Too. I'm agreeing with all of you said. When I looked up the word heaven, in addition to it being a noun and
0: not here, mm-hmm. it's. did you know that it's also a verb? You can heaven? Well, that makes sense, yeah. Well, we've done that to the language in the last 20 years, too. We've made a lot of nouns, verbs. <laughs> no, no, we've made a lot of verbs, nouns. Oh. Yeah. So the
1: notion of turning it from a noun, which is a fixed Thing and not here into a verb which is alive and here is for me very powerful. I'm not saying that. that's in the Oxford English Dictionary to heaven, so we can go around heavening every moment. That to me is extremely powerful it's
0: bringing in that state of love consciousness into every moment
1: or whatever people define heaven as. I, you know, the vast majority of people, as I've done these seminars all over the world. I'm, I'm just impressed over and over and over again by the similarity. The, the creative differences, mm-hmm. but the underlying similarities. They know. Would you say
0: that love is the, the constant in that group?
1: No. No? No, and, and here's why. I don't want to say personally what the particular value is, because if I say that love is the constant, then all those people in the world for whom it's not the constant, I've just lost them. Rather than me saying what the constant is for them... I want them to say what the constant is and have that discussion. So for some people, it's love, it's compassion, it's ending suffering, uh, it's joy, it's uh, morality, it's ethics. Those are all fine. All fine with me, the tenth large enough to include those. If they all are subsumed in this notion of that's my contribution to, to helping co create heaven on earth then it's I'm excited by that.
0: So, in, in other words, you don't see any particular fundamental uh, thread through all these descriptions of heaven.
1: I do. Uh, excuse me, not of heaven, of heaven on earth. Yes. The, the thread is this kind of, what I call, essence of soul speak. I, I can't... I used to call it, when I asked people, so tell me what heaven on earth is for you, and they, they told me, I thought it was their soul speaking, but... I've discovered it's deeper than that. It's like a very essence speaking. Um, the only way to experience it is to actually ask people, you know, over and over and over again. So here's a magic wand. So what is heaven on earth for you? And just listen, and you'll there's this energetic um, uh, underneath the content. You know, the content could be ending war, ending poverty, love, whatever. But underneath that, there's a purity, a softness, a directness, uh, a, a
0: truth telling. That is the common thread for me. Okay. Purity comes to mind as, a, as, a, as possibly then that thread. Like perfection? I don't want to see... I know, I, I, I know.
1: I, I don't want to give like the definitive answer because I, that to me is dangerous because it loses those who don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. For me, it's more important to say... Well, the common thread is their definition of heaven on earth. That's the common
0: thread. <laughs> In other words, they'll have a good idea about what it is in multiple, multiple, multiple forms. They do. It's yeah, a yeah. myriad description.
1: The descriptions generally are in about four arenas. So one arena is there are people who say heaven on earth is internal. If I can create heaven on earth within me, there'll be more of it in the world. So how do I do that? Prayer, affirmation, artistry, living of value. Uh, that's to bring up more of the heaven on earth. Or, or cleaning up some of the... The, the crap in me like going to therapy going to workshops uh, having friends come and tell me you know you've got to change this behavior it's not working for you that's all internal then there are people who are externally who say in order to create heaven on earth you've got to look out in the world see what the problems are and solve those mm-hmm. and so those people fall into several arenas one arena is end of suffering End hunger, end war, end and hunger, and war, and poverty. And they see it as like a, like a linchpin. If you can end this suffering, they'll say, then all the other sufferings will collapse. Fine, do that. Or, very rare, uh, um, taking on an institution. So, what if, for example, the institutions of, of the world, such as business, or government, or politics, or healthcare, what if their purpose was to help co create heaven on earth? What would they do as an institution?
0: Don't you think in some ways this is already happening all the time?
1: Let me just finish now. I'll answer okay. it. So that's an external. So one, one external is uh, ending a suffering. Another is making institutions take on their rightful place and ending, in co-creating heaven on earth. Another is nations. You know, what would heaven on earth be for your country or the community of nations? So that's external. Then there are heaven on earth for relationship with myself, with another, with others, with God. And consciousness. Heaven on earth is a state of consciousness. So people generally fall into one or more of those arenas, or they can shift over time. I don't really care
0: which it is, I just care that they get engaged. Let me ask you something I'd forgotten to put in here, and that yeah. was when you ask someone who has no spiritual interests, yeah. you know, self identified atheist, agnostic, or whatever, what is their response to that? Do they find, is there a resistance to this idea of religious, you know, the word heaven has a tendency to sound religious. Do yes. they resist this, even this concept of heaven? They do. Um, they're, what they're
1: concerned with is that I'm going to proselytize a particular point of view called this is heaven, I know what it is, and you've got to buy my definition, Right. which is why I'm reluctant to come up with a definitive answer, because to yep. me that's dangerous. Once they see that I'm not doing that, and if you read the book How to Achieve a Heaven you can see that it's all over the place, right, left, religious, non-religious. Then people go, "Oh, I get it. It's an inquiry. It's an exploration.
0: It's a discovery." Then they're generally they're in. So they have no problem with the fact that it has, the word heaven has been basically uh, captured by more religious entities on the planet.
1: Not not captured by religious entities. Captured by those who want to. Um, proselytize a particular definition. Mm-hmm. The, so the issue is not heaven.
0: Well, that's true. I'm just thinking of the, the derivation of the word. What is the derivation of the word heaven? Is I don't know. That's it, a good so The etymological basis of it, because I'm wondering if it issued forth from religious writings or whether it just it popped up as the, a description of a, of a state. The heaven comes
1: uh, is in the Bible, uh, but heaven on earth is not in the Bible. I've looked in the Bible. Heaven on earth comes from... Uh, Milton's Paradise Lost. That was the first use in about the 1600s, I think, of that
0: phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know that... Except everything. the Lord's Prayer thing. The Lord's Prayer does not say, heaven Nobody honors. it implies Your thy will be done on earth as it is in, in heaven. heaven. So it's like joining the two. Correct. So there, it is implied. It's an implied, but it's
1: not direct. Right. And, and this, this book and my work and John's work is about making it direct. Mm-hmm.
0: So what's the greatest challenge now? Now that you've seen this, this put together, all these inter- interesting writers, everyone from Marianne Williamson to George W. Bush, go figure. You never think you see them on the same piece I, of paper. It's fabulous. It's wonderful. So what are they going to do now? What are we going to do, or what are you going to do as a writer and a consultant to business and all that? What are you going to do from here to further this? A couple of
1: things. Um, the first thing is I finally got into social media. So uh, on Facebook I have a... Project Heaven on Earth group so people can join that and I put uh, little stories little vignettes people put their own uh, versions up I put a quote a day about what Heaven on Earth is for various people um, So, I, cause I, I want to start uh, and I think it's important to bring together people who get this who get the notion that Heaven on Earth is a, an idea whose time has come is a meme is a thought form is something they want to engage with so they can so that can be normalized, and so they can start spreading it themselves. One of the things I do in my own uh, workshop is I say, people say, well, heaven on earth, it's so impossible, it's overwhelming. We can't. And I said, how do you know? We've never actually taken that on before. And I say, for example, let's suppose that you sp- speak to two people today about heaven on earth and ask them to do their part in helping co-create heaven on earth and ask them that tomorrow they'll speak to two people. So all you have to do is, once you've been spoken to, the next day you have to speak to two people. That's all you have to do. And, and your, your commitment's over. And there's 6.6 billion people in the world. How long do you think it would take to have that done, assuming everybody kept their agreement?
0: You're not, I'm not a calculator. I have no right. clue.
1: So people say, you know, a year, six months, uh, 32 days. Really? 32 days. The point being that we have no idea what it's going to take to create heaven on earth. And so that's not the place to look. The place to look is the deep longing in your essence and in your soul that you have for heaven on earth, for your definition of heaven on earth, and to get engaged in doing that and using this term, how to achieve a heaven on earth. That's the title of John's book. Mine's called Project Heaven on Earth. Project as the noun. You know, We're doing this project together. And to project heaven on earth as in this state of being. So I have the website, ProjectHeavenOnEarth.com. I have the Facebook group, uh, Heaven on Earth, uh, our Project Heaven on Earth, rather. So I think what John's book has done, uh, Jeffrey, is to jump it to the next level. Because, you know, having a physical book kind of makes it more tangible yes. and more realizable. Mm-hmm. And as you said, he's created a tent large enough to include all of these disparate views, which is what's going to be needed. We need to include the vast majority of the world to make this work.
0: You know, uh, my book that I wrote was called uh, Language of Consciousness, and it features a group of artworks called the Universalist Group, which has nothing to do with the Unitarian Church, but it has to do with the fact that ever since I was a baby, as more of a young person, I started to become aware of it. I was only interested in big picture things, like universal concepts that actually... Applied And what happens, I've noticed over the years, is that the higher I go to get that overview, the more abstract it gets. Yeah. And pretty much, I mean, I think that Deepak Chopra describes it as ineffable. You can't even speak it at one point when you're talking about a certain level of divine consciousness. But I love the fact that you have boiled it down to each individual's path yeah. and making those choices. And what I'm grokking from this conversation is that... The idea behind your foundation and this gru- this group of people and the foundation that John has started is that each person must look to them within themselves to see what they can do to create a better world, and it's that simple, almost. And then to join with others and join and join and join and join. It's very ecumenical in a
1: sense. In a sense, you know, it's very universal. It's also organic. We're not telling you what to do. We're presenting this offering, this piece of metaphorical software, saying. It's now time for Heaven on Earth. If you'd like to play the game, fine. If not, fine, too. We're not, it's not mandatory.
0: Absolutely. It has to be voluntary. You know, that's how it, was with, that's how it is even with a representative government. You've got to volunteer to be part of your government or not. Yeah. And that your contribution,
1: your unique contribution, I have a woman who wants to do this in prison. I have a police officer in Texas who's written a 16-page manual on uh, Heaven on Earth for law enforcement. I have a, a, a religious group in California who's written a 28-page manual for a church and synagogues about how they can introduce this into their congregations. The creativity is mind-boggling. Well, it's endless. It's endless. And every time someone comes up with a new idea, I'm, I'm more amazed. I'm more in awe. I, I, I could never have thought of that. So this notion of a framework, a meme, a metaphorical piece of software... Uh, a global vision that's not imposed but that's evoked, that's the shift. Yeah.
0: And it's honoring the person. Very much honoring, honoring the, the individual and their particular divine contribution to the overall whole. Yep. Hey, I like it. Thank you. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Coach. Well, Martin, I'm going to ask the question I've already asked you before. You only probably remember answering this question, so it will be interesting to see what you say now. If there's one thing you could tell the whole world that they really need to know, but they're not getting, or they don't seem to be getting, what would that one thing be?
1: I would say that you have within you a knowing about what heaven on earth is. And it may have been suppressed. You may not think it's possible. You may think it's naive or overwhelming or whatever reason. I'd like you to just put all those reasons aside for the moment. And imagine you have a magic wand and you're being asked, what is heaven on earth for you? Answer that question and then begin to take very, very small, simple steps that will move you in that direction. And that's where the power is. And imagine that growing and growing and growing. I mean, John's book, how to achieve a heaven on earth, that's growing. My Facebook project, Heaven on Earth. My website, Project Heaven on Earth. All of that stuff is beginning to to shift the course of, of, of humanity. I mean, that's really... You know, think of the, the example of a, a large ocean liner uh, and it, it, uh, full of, of oil. You know, those huge, gigantic, enormous oil tankers. And when they decide to shift the direction, the rudder has to turn. But it takes miles and miles and miles for the change to occur. Yeah. But on the edge of the rudder is a little, little, like mini rudder called a trim tab. Because the rudder is too strong to move. When they move the trim tab, the trim tab moves the rudder, which moves the ship. There you go. At this point in our evolution, the notion of heaven on earth and achieving heaven on earth is a trim tab. We want to move it to a rudder so that we can actually, and are actually changing the direction of the ship.
0: Brilliant metaphor. I love it. Thank you. Thanks for this. Absolutely. Well, you all heard it here first. Heaven on Earth has started now. Thank you so much, Martin. Thank you, Jeffrey, very much.